Welcome to the Living Bulwark Podcast. I'm John Wilson. And I'm Bridget Bonifant. Uh, This is a podcast dedicated to introducing you to people throughout the Sword of the Spirit. We'll invite a guest to each episode, and then we'll just spend a few minutes getting to know them and hearing part of their story. Joining us today is Nancy Miller. Nancy's a leader in People of Hope community in New Jersey. Nancy, thanks for joining us today. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. I'd love to hear how you got connected to the community, et cetera. Well, that's great. Well, thank you and for welcoming me, and I'm happy to do this. I, I hope it, it bears some good fruit. Um, but yeah, I um, grew up in a very Christian family. My parents really uh, took their faith seriously. I'm one of seven children. And um, I really met the Lord in a much deeper way. And right around the time I met the People of Hope, um, I was 22 years old and just finishing college. Um, I, I'm a, I have a degree in special ed and elementary ed and was just beginning a new job. And um, at that time, there was um, new beginnings in the People of Hope, especially a burst of the Holy Spirit with a lot of young people. So um, our community had been founded by people that were in their 40s, unlike some of the other communities that were springing up at the time. So my parents actually were part of the People of Hope before I was and went to a prayer meeting with them, but it was all older people. And they were wonderful, but um, until I met people my own age, it was only then that I really felt very much like I was home. And that was the beginning of my time in the People of Hope um, began a lot of formation and training and just a vibrant place of a lot of young people. So I started there, met my husband, and I've been married for almost 40 years now. And um, I'm a mother of 11 children. Um, I have uh, two sets of twins and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and the rest of the gang. And we have six grandchildren now. So Amazing. we've been members for over 40 years. Wow. I'm the youngest of 11, so. Are you really? Yeah. Oh. I love to hear other oh, big families. That's wonderful. That's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good life. <laughs> I always tell people that our, our family with five children always looks big everywhere except when you're in the people of hope and then I suddenly have a small family. <laughs> That's true. I know. It's true. Well, so. I, I'd love to hear a little bit, just maybe briefly, Nancy, I've never visited the people of hope in New Jersey. And so I don't know if you just want to say a little bit about, I don't know, the community there, maybe some things that are unique to you guys, or I don't know, some things you experience as unique to the people of hope. Sure. Well, like I said, our founders were in their 40s when the community began. So um, a lot of our founders now are in their late 80s, 90s, or have gone mm-hmm. on to the kingdom. Um, but um, yeah, we're a, fa- a community of you know evangelization and, and family life and prayer are mm-hmm. our, our charisms. And um, yeah, I would say that I know, you know we're speaking about Um, having older members, we call them senior members in our community. 
as I've traveled around to some of the other communities, it's a, a question that often comes up to the people of hope because we have had experience um, mm. for maybe a decade or two longer than some of the other communities um, with having an, an older generation. Um, but yeah, I've seen um, our community really try to embrace caring for Christian people from birth until natural mm. death, uh, you know, from the cradle to the grave. And um, it's actually beautiful to see. And I think that the intergenerational part of our communities um, is a very beautiful thing to behold a treasure that often emerges as, you know, people come to try to join our community. Um, they're not oh, sometimes expecting such a variety of ages, but mm. it really is a treasure in its own way. Mm. And your community, another unique thing, your community has had for years a school, is that right? Yes, that's correct. We've had a school for mm, close to 30 years now, oh. and, um, and that's been a real blessing. Mm. It sort of evolved from a, being a community school into much more of an outreach school at this point. Um, there was a time when it was pretty much just community kids, but it's, it's evolved a lot since its beginnings. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a, a strong Christian school with, you know, wonderful Christian values. And um, we have a lot of different movements actually that send their kids to Koinonia Academy is what it's called. The Greek word Koinonia is um, fellowship in the Holy Spirit. So... We had talked about um, <clears throat> earlier the topic of senior members, as you say, and I'm just curious about your, uh, I, I think our community is in the category that you're describing where it's a little bit newer for us. We have senior members, but it's the front end of what's going to become much more a characteristic of our life. And I know that you guys have had that for a couple decades now. Um, I, I just like to hear about the kind of challenges and blessings of that. I, I'm sure that there's both. Um, whatever, you know, any, any fruits of uh, hard-won experience there, I'd love to hear. Mm. Sure, sure. Well, um, yeah, I think that, you know, it's taken us time to try to figure out how to serve such a broad scope of members over time. Um, but the Lord has definitely helped us. And, um, you know, while working on our young professionals um, group, which is called Compass and the People of Hope and our university outreach, um, we've also had to pay attention to, you know, our midlife group and then also our senior members. Um, one of the things that's just a beautiful testimony um, how the Lord acts was during COVID at the very beginning during the lockdown, um, some of the young professionals in the Compass District decided that they needed to figure out a way to continue to be outreaching and they wanted to continue to grow in, in their faith. So um, they decided to pair up with some members of our our senior members to try to make sure that they weren't becoming isolated. Mm -hmm. So they did like a buddy system. And in the beginning of the lockdown, they would call their senior member um, once a week to either just chat with them, to pray with them, or to see if there was anything like at the grocery store that they might need. And um, 
It was really a beautiful thing. It hasn't lasted long term, but it really served at the time um, because isolation was really a challenge for some of our older members, especially during COVID. And I was sharing with one of our young um, Compass women who said that she has really developed a long-term friendship with one of the senior women that she started talking to, that they started sharing books together and they had a lot of things in common and it really turned into a much deeper long-term relationship. So I thought that was pretty mm. cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, you know, it, it was, it didn't last long-term, which in some ways is a little bit sad, but in other ways it, did what it was supposed to do for the time. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's that intergenerational part is very beautiful. Um, the other thing that I found out about during COVID was that some of our senior members that are not technologically savvy really were challenged um, in terms of isolation. But one of our small group leaders who works with a group of older women um, set up a conference call every week. And ironically, many of these women couldn't get out to small groups anyway because of health or weather, and now there was COVID on top of it. But what happened was they all were willing to call into this conference call number. And then they asked their small group leader, instead of it being every other week, could they have a weekly call <laughs> so that they could stay connected? So I found that to be another movement of the Holy Spirit, which was, you know, very beautiful. Mm. Um, when you were asking about challenges, um, you know, sometimes it hasn't been an easy transition between the older generation and the younger generation and the middle generation in the middle but um, it's taken a lot of um, dialogue, discussion. Um, I think that our, our leaders have really worked hard to try to figure all this out. <laughs> it sounds easy to pass things along to the next generation, but in fact, it's not so easy. And, um, you know, young people have a lot of energy and a lot of ideas, and that's a beautiful thing too. So trying to <laughs> take the wisdom from one end and the energy from the other end and merge it all together mm -hmm. um, can be can be interesting sometimes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I think that's such a good point to make. And I was, as you were speaking, I was reflecting on just some of my own experience. I know um, that it can be challenging. I think particularly my experience has been bridging kind of my generation, maybe the younger generation people in the formation district or kind of just making commitments to the community, bridging that generation to the older generation, I've seen be particularly challenging. And there's kind of this mutual, from talking to people, it's like most of my peers are like, wow, yeah, we'd love to have relationship with the older generation. We just don't really know how to do that. And then talking to the older generation, I think them expressing something similar where it's like, yeah, we'd, we'd love to know you guys. We just don't really know how to do that. And so I think it's encouraging to see that you guys are kind of maybe blazing a trail for some ways that we can do that. I love this idea, this like buddy system. I love that. I think that's really fun. I'd be curious if you have any thoughts. Um, I mean, advice is maybe a strong word, but um, I don't know, something to speak to the younger generation um, as to like how if we you know we desire to be in a relationship with our brothers and sisters in community of a different generation 
I don't know, are there ways that you've seen, like, here's some things you guys can do to help that along to, to be bridge builders or something like that? Yeah, well, I think, you know, grassroots is always a good thing at, at prayer meetings or, com you know, community gatherings, just to make an effort to chat with each other mm -hmm. if you can. Um, there's something else that I can't not mention about our community, and that's um, we've had a team of people over the years that their focus was to serve the senior members. And one of the things that's really emerged from that is a group called the Daughters of Hope. And that was a name that was chosen by the group of senior women. And they're all women that are over 70. And I think they go up through the 90s. But there's been a pastoral team and some resources that meet once a month. And the goal is for it to be fun and fellowship with a spiritual undertone. But the team has also included some younger members to come in. Like one time they did a cooking show um, with like that movie, who's Julia, Sha uh, Julia, Julia Child, and then Ju Julie, I think. There yeah, was some movie yeah. out. So we had two sisters that kind of put that on, but oh. one was a little bit older, the other one younger. And um, our team has brought in young people like around St. Patrick's Day. We have some Irish step dancers uh, in the community to try to use that vehicle to merge, you know, the older and the younger. Mm. Um, and they've done some kind of, you know, interview sorts of things in that setting um, or they've been very creative in involving the younger members with the senior members through that, that vehicle, that once a month meeting where they try to plan an event that's just fun. Mm. I love that. That's encouraging. It, it strikes me that there's so much balance needed in this area. Um, when you were first introducing yourself, you said you connected with the community in your early 20s and you knew older people, your parents were there, but you didn't feel like you were a part of things until you met your cohort and became embedded in that community. But, and, and that's true. That's always true for people coming into community is um, having an experience of doing it with their peers. But yet we have this need to connect um, intergenerationally. And one of my observations is I, I feel like my generation, which is kind of like the generation X going to college in the, in the nineties, I, I think we had less interest in connecting to older people to our shame. Uh, it wasn't a strength of my generation. And when I watch Bridget's, um, cohort, there's just much more openness and attraction. And in fact, our, sometimes our older members have an instinct that, you know, the, the young people won't, won't want to connect with them. Hmm. And we've had to kind of get over that and say, no, actually our young people, they, they need that experience of coming in together, building community together, but they want to connect they want to connect with families and they want to connect with seniors. And it sounds like you tapped into some of that through COVID. So it's just, there's balance that it can't be um, just a, a one age group community. 
But at the same time, the age groups need to have like the, the daughters of hope, they have fellowship with each other and Mm -hmm. support one another in that age group. Yeah, it's, it's really true. And I think one thing I just want to say about our senior members, and this goes for the men as well, that um, it seems to be a time in their life now where so many of their job responsibilities are passed and family responsibilities are passed and even community service in a lot of ways. And to see the relationships they've developed for 40, close to 50 years with each other and how much they just love to relate to one another. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes in, I'm sure, you're younger than I am, but there's so many demands sometimes, and we'd love to spend relational time with people, but it's so hard to do because of other responsibilities. And it's so beautiful to see them stay connected. And I think it's actually something that young people can really benefit from because, you know, over 40 or 50 years of fraternity and friendship, you know, there's so many ups and downs in life, so many joys and sorrows. and to see that God can use all those to knit people together. Um, And I often say, I want to be surrounded by my brothers and sisters when I'm in my 90s and, (laughs) you know, if I live that long. But um, it is, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see. And I know young people like to be together for their good reasons. And, um, but to see these friendships over a many decades is is like a treasure that I think is worth pondering, Mm. you know, the life of community. Absolutely. And I I would just say for, for me, and I mean, I can't speak for all my peers, but for me, that's really encouraging to be able to see that is part of the reason I want to choose for communities to seeing people who have had relationship for that long and have invested in it and have worked through really challenging situations probably in their relationships and have kind of pressed on um, in discipleship together. Man, that's what I want. That inspires me to, to choose for it. So praise God. My wife and I just celebrated our 25th anniversary, which was great. Thank you. One of our experiences of it it, outside of community and church, um, when we would mention it, the responses we get were, were interesting. We, and I think for my wife, she she mentioned particularly kind of looks of almost incomprehension. Mm-hmm. Not I, I got, I think I had people say congratulations or something like that outside of our circles. But um, for Melody, it was more... Just I don't even know what to say to mm-hmm. that, and it's it's um, I I look at the people you're talking about, and you're talking about you're not even talking about marriages. You're talking just friendships that have lasted for forty years, and the marriages are there also. But I think that that um, it inspires me because I like Bridget is saying I want that. I want to. Like you, and you said it too, Nancy, I want those when I'm in my nineties, mm. if I, if I have to stick around that long, <laughs> but our culture, our world needs that. And I, I think, um, our senior members are really a blessing to everyone around them, not just in community because of, um, 
the lives of virtue and stability and commitment that they've lived. It's, um, I don't know how that spiritually echoes out to the society, but I know that it does. I, it has to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, in speaking to one of the women that leads a small group for the senior member, she was just saying to me how their faith is so rock solid mm-hmm. at this point, you know, the re- the, when they get together or they, they have opportunity to share, it really is to be able to talk about, you know, what's happening in their life. And I suppose even at some point in our community, we thought, you know, well, we shouldn't really be talking about doctor's appointments and this and that. But she was saying at this age, they're so rock solid. They're pillars of faith. And it's almost unshakable. I mean, I know that the devil can get in at any time, but as a ground rule, they're pretty firm in their faith. And what they really need is just a personal outlet to be Mm -hmm. able to say, this is kind of scary. I got this news from my doctor, or I have to go for this test or whatever's happening, a family situation that's difficult. And just the degree of love and encouragement, um, is wonderful and I also think that there's been a couple of relationships maybe more familial but when you can connect an older person with wisdom like that with someone from a younger generation even if you skip a generation almost like a grandparenting like the wisdom that they have to offer is so like tempered and refined. I sometimes used to think about my parents in this way they could say things much better to my children and it would be just the right word at just the right time um, instead of a big, long paragraph that I might give. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, the older generation definitely has an understanding of young people, I, I believe, because they've lived for a long time and through many generations. And um, they can kind of hit the nail on the head. So it's beautiful when those connections can be made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I was just thinking, one of the questions I was thinking about asking, which I think you just answered was, what do you think is one of the kind of primary roles that they fill in our community life? And I think that's a great way to highlight it is from their experience and their wisdom, they become these pillars for us to really lean into as we're going through things that they've actually already experienced and they can speak into that. And I've, you know, experienced that on a very, very, very small scale, you know, like for instance, in my work in ministry, it's easy to, to say to a younger staff member, like, you know, we've tried that. It was a disaster. Let's not try it again. (laughs) And I think it's a good reminder for us. Like, yeah, we should seek wisdom on things and from people who have lived through it and say, how did this go? How would you speak into that? Well, and I think this is a a no-brainer, but, you know, the time that they have as well, many of them for intercession, Mm -hmm. is really like a goldmine, especially for our new initiatives and some of the Mm -hmm. gnarly parts of mission with the younger people. And I think in the past, sometimes it sounded kind of trite, like, oh, you know, they're prayer warriors, but... 
I have to say, as time has gone on, there I'm convinced that their intercession is one of the most powerful weapons that we have in community life, mm -hmm. and I think it should never be, you know, underestimated on their part or on the community's part to include them in asking for prayers and intercessions for parts of community life or initiatives, outreaches that are experiencing difficulty. Mm. Yeah, we're taking notes <clears throat> for our community here, and <laughs> you guys have just some great ideas for um, way th these things bless both sides. I, I think it it keeps senior members connected and feeling a a purpose and um, involvement, but it also things like even intercession and sharing the intercessory needs gives our younger folks an opening to get to know older members and just build that relationship. So Nancy, thanks so much for joining us today. It was great having you with us. I loved uh, chatting with Nancy today because I think when we think about our community life and sort of the spirit, one of the things that makes us more unique is our intergenerational, the intergenerational nature of our community life. And obviously we, we know it's a great blessing for us, but it also comes with a cost or has a, a great investment. So it's both has a lot of blessing, but I think can be really challenging for those different generations to know how to live life together. Yeah, we talk about our communities as a um, sort of an extension of family or an extended family. And that's such a key element of family life is the generations. That's what families are all about. And I think we there can be a temptation in our communities to forget about that and, and make it more of a, a program or a, a, an affinity group. A friend group and that's not what we are we have friends and we have programs but we're fundamentally um a family grouping and that that necessarily has generations mm -hmm. and it has all those challenges that comes mm -hmm. with having um, the whole span of people and it the interesting thing to me in talking to nancy part of the reason her stories and perspective is so important is because our communities for the most part have not fully entered into this. So in some ways we talk a big game <laughs> about being intergenerational, but we're not yet fully intergenerational. I think when our founding generation, forgive me for saying this, but when they've all died, <laughs> then I'll say we're fully intergenerational because we've lived through a whole generation. Mm -hmm. And the people of hope are out ahead of us. And so seeing their um, more full experience, um, blessings, challenges, is uh, really instructive. Mm, yeah. And I think just for me, one thing I want to sort of take away from this is this idea of like the what you refer to, John, is kind of the balance of obviously I'm going to, I need to continue to invest in, in my cohort and my peers and community, 
but not allowing that to just be like my sphere that just sort of like lives in the same space as the other spheres and we just kind of miss each other. But to be more intentional about saying, I'm going to build relationships across these generations as a mean of means of intentionally living out our life and our goal. Great. We're about out of time. Thanks for joining us. And we hope that you'll be back with us next time on Living Bulwark Podcast. Living Bulwark is a Soar of the Spirit podcast. Our program is produced by John Wilson and Bridget Bonifant. Peter Wilson is our sound engineer, and music for our podcast was written and performed by Peter Wilson and Will Cannon. <laughs>